to the question? She had no idea. We'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Oh, the kids are going to children's church, so have fun, kids. Chapter 1, verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and he came to her and said greetings O favored one the Lord is with you Now what she didn't know is by the end of the relation or by the end of this particular conversation not only would she know that the Lord was with her but she would be confronted with the reality of the Lord being in her But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, we're, we're going we're to talk about this, but that, that's a, th those are very stabilizing words. I mean, if, 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 if when you read those words in the Bible and those words in the Bible apply to those who belong to God, we are, we are favored by God. It, and in Ephesians chapter 1, it makes it very clear that we're favored by God. It uses similar language, if not the same language. But did you think about the fact that those words could be troubling? We'll talk about that. Angel said to her, Mary, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And she wouldn't have been entirely surprised by that fact because, because the Messiah was coming, and she was from the house of David. It was entirely possible that she would be chosen as the one who would give birth to Messiah. It was a great privilege. It was entirely possible. But she didn't, she, she couldn't absorb all the implications of the proposal as it's indicated by the next verse. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I'm, I'm planning to get married. I'm looking forward to having a family. But what about this cart before the horse thing, Lord? How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel of the Lord answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. You see, God has a, there are precedents for, for this kind of thing. Not, his, not this exact thing, but this kind of thing. For nothing will be impossible with God. God, God doesn't live under this, under this category of, of impossible. God doesn't have boundaries in that kind of way, the same way that we do. Nothing's impossible with God. And Mary said, now listen, please. She was 13. Thirteen. Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this story and we just pray that you'd show us the implications that are beyond the obvious for us. We pray in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. Now, the way that I'm going to approach this story today is, is this is... No, no one, no one who's, who's merely human, and of course Jesus is both 100% human and 100% God, so we're, we're, we're using Jesus as the standard, Mary as an example. This story is about, of, uh, about discipleship, and what discipleship is, 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 Growing in 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 our following Christ. There, there's a point in time in which, in which we all, I I, I think, I'm, I can't be sure in the case of each individual. Okay, I haven't heard everybody's story yet, but but there's there there comes a time in the life of a Christian when, when because we're not we're not we're not born in it because it requires a decision, an educated decision on our part to become a Christian, if we have that capability. There's, there, there comes a point when you realize that you've sinned and you need a Savior. And you also realize that Jesus Christ is that Savior. That, that, that through His death, burial, and resurrection, we are saved and we are we are given a, a new birth. We, are, we have a new life. We are new creatures in Christ. Well, when, once that happens, once, once, you, once, once that status has been established, the status of, of being right with God, being aligned with God, being His child, and it's described in, in, in many ways in the Bible, being adopted as His children, all kinds of ways it's described in the Bible. But that happens and our status changes 
and we're no longer alienated from God. We're now his friends. But there's a, there's a, there's a very important reality that we sometimes lose, lose, lose grip with. We, we, don't, we don't grasp it like we should. And that's the fact that, that this is something, this, this, whole, this whole becoming a child of God is something we grow into. We, 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 we grow in it. It, it's something. It's a, it's a developing process in our lives as we as we learn to follow Him better and better and more and more. That's called discipleship, and and our church should be about that. Our church should not be satisfied with anybody who's stagnant in their faith. But we're growing in our relationship with God. Peter says we're growing in, in the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're growing in it. We're developing. We're maturing. That sort of thing. Mary is an example of, 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 a, of a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we're going to treat her in, 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 as, as an example of discipleship and what it means to, to, to be committed to that growth in our lives. Let's start here. Let's start with the fact that this is a story. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school class today. We'll, we'll elaborate on it a little bit now. This is a story. This story, that, that, that the, the passage that we read is, is a is part of a larger story. It's the story of how God is going to save the world. And, and, that, and that hasn't been accomplished yet. Jesus has come and he's died on the cross for our sins and he's begun the process of renewing the entire earth and, and, it, will, and, and it will culminate in, and consummate in, in, a, in a new heavens and a new earth and we look forward to that. Okay, but this is, this is part of the story. It hasn't been done yet. It's, it continues on. And it's a story of how God's going to save us. It's Mary's story. Mary has a part in this story. Gabriel has a part in this story. Now, now Gabriel is interesting because he, he shows up in this story once every 600 years or so. He was, in, he was in the book of Daniel. Now he's here, and he's making this great announcement. And Gabriel was, was probably a pretty awe-inspiring character, which probably contributed a little bit to, to, to Mary's, Mary's fear. Gabriel doesn't show up much, but you notice he didn't need GPS to get to Nazareth. He just, he just knew. He was dispatched to Nazareth, and he knew the way. He got there. Okay. As opposed to Jerusalem, where everybody knew where Jerusalem was. Very, very few were as familiar with this obscure little town called Nazareth. Gabriel's part of the story. Joseph's part of the story. And we have, you know, we have accounts of, of Joseph and his contribution to the story. And we have David. David's part of the story. This is David's family. See, the author wrote in to the story all of these characters. What we don't always think about, though, is that you and I have been written into the story. This is 
our story. In a very, very real way. Very, very real way. These are our relatives. We're part of this family. How well do you know David? Where does Gabriel show up in the Bible? He's your family. He's angelic. <laughs> he's not of necessarily of the same substance, but he's definitely part of the story. And, and we are definitely, we definitely will see Gabriel and know Gabriel at a, at a future time. And I don't, don't, I'm not exactly sure what the nature of the relationship will be, but we'll know Gabriel. How well do you know Joseph? You know he was the father of Jesus. But how well do you know him? How often do you read about him? Have you studied him? This is our story. We're part of this story. And really I can say that about you whether you're an unbeliever or a believer because it's on the basis of, of, the, of the hero of the story that your very destiny will be determined. You will bow before him one day, willingly or unwillingly. This story continues. Like Andy said this morning, this story happened two days ago because with God, a thousand years is as a day and a day is a thousand years. But in human reckoning, it happened 2,000 years ago, but it's still a story that continues. We're part of the story. You need to see that. Now Mary, 13 years old. Would you consider this to be an epic event? Then why would God put into the hands of a 13-year-old this kind of responsibility? Because God has very capable hands. Our hands aren't always so reliable, but His hands are very capable. And He always does things that surprise us. He, he, he seldom does things that we expect, that we, that we can predict. We very seldom can trace out what God is doing in, in our own lives, let alone in this world. We have a general idea. We have the big picture. But how many of you can tell me where you're going to be a year from now? How many of you can tell me where you're going to be six months from now? How many, how many can tell me what the circumstances? You might, you might say, and, and, and it might be a very educated guess, I'll be in Wasco because I've been in Wasco my whole life. Okay, that's an educated guess. Okay, not an, not, it's not even really an educated guess. That's just a good guess, okay? But what are your circumstances going to be? We don't know that. We don't know that, and we can't, we can't, we can't plot that or trace that. Or, we, we can plan, and we should plan, but we don't know. Things come up that are unexpected, and that's the way God wants it. You just can't peg God, right? All these events happened in time and space, 
in the timing, in the geographics, they all surprise us. Listen. First thing. Mary was marginal as a character. If you look at the preceding verses, you see that an angel originally appeared to Zechariah in the temple. And that's what you'd expect. God to show up in the church. Not at the margins. Certainly not in Nazareth. Why didn't He show up in the temple? Why didn't He show up at headquarters? Why did He choose this peasant, adolescent girl Same reason he chose me. Very unexpected. Unbeliever, born to unbelievers. A little town called Oregon, Illinois. Population. Just a little bit more than Nazareth. hard-hearted, resistant. Same reason He chose you. People at the margins. In extreme cases, the outcasts. In extreme cases, the prostitutes. Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus gravitated toward, moved toward, hung out with outcasts, social outcasts, moral outcasts. Because God doesn't do what we expect. So how dare we say, <laughs> why me? Why not me? Maybe God wants you to do something for Him. Maybe He wants you to do something spectacular for Him. Maybe He wants you to do something simple for Him. There's one thing for sure. He wants to direct our lives. Why not us? Why not me? Why not buy into this discipleship thing? Why not let God grow me? Why not me? Why not me? God's Word comes to each in, in their respective circumstances. The Word is received by Mary, and if you'll notice, if you go back to those previous verses, it was resisted by Zechariah. So understand that it's not always the priest and the religious who get it. Whereas faith found, faith is found on the margins, in the villages, and not so much in a capital. I want you to notice another thing about this that's, that's true of discipleship. I want you to notice the backwardness of all this. 
You see, I think, I think, you know, Mary was asked to take up her cross and follow Christ before the cross. Before the cross historically happened, Mary was asked to take up her cross and follow Christ, right? Think, think, of, the, think of the backwardness of all this, though. Not only is she in a backward area, but she's asked to do something that's totally backward, Especially when you consider it in light of, of, of what God has revealed to us, of, of what he expects from us in, in normal circumstances. I want, you to, I want you to have a baby before you have sex. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. How are, are my... Are, how will I go with my fiancé and sit at the dinner table and explain this to my parents? Who are God-fearing, God-loving, morally blameless people. You see, part of this, this, whole, this whole discipleship journey is, is, is sometimes God asks you to do things that, that put you in very uncomfortable situations. Sometimes, sometimes discipleship is like that. It's, it's one step forward and two backwards. Right? That's part of the cost of discipleship. That's part of being like, 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 like Mary. Notice how God showed up with this greeting. The, uh, the, it was, it was, it was <laughs> this is this is so this is so counter countercultural to us. He showed up with this greeting and he said, he said, Mary, you're very favored. Uses the word twice. You know, you're you're favorably favored. And you know, you'd think, okay, okay, that's that's great. I want to be favored by God. What what better thing than to be favored by God? I mean, I mean, being favored by God is, is being favored is, is better than being favored by any human being, right? Can we vote on that? I mean, if you're gonna be favored, isn't it good to be favored by God? I mean, that's a really good thing. To have God on your side, to have God in your corner, when God has your back. That is, there's nothing, is, is there anything better than that? To know that? Mary, you're highly favored. Now, let's understand something. When she heard that, what she heard. Because this is a woman who, who is in the stream of history, in this story, and she knows the beginning of the story. She knows everything that's happened prior to the story. It's all been recorded. It's all been documented. That, that, those words are used of Noah. Noah was favored. Those words are used of Moses. Moses was favored. What was Noah asked to do? Build a boat when there wasn't water? You ever feel like God is asking you to build a boat when there's no water? If you don't, you're probably not on that path of discipleship. What did Moses have to do? 
Moses, I want you to go to the most powerful man on the earth. This guy is powerful. He has armies at his disposal. He is considered God by his people. And I want you to march into his throne room because he's a king, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And of course, Moses, you know, you know that conversation. I can't talk. My tongue is tied. I can't do it, Lord. Yes, you can. I'm with you. I favor you. You can do whatever I ask you to do. See, Mary would have known that. She would have known that that was the way God interacted with Noah. She would have known that was the way God would have interacted with Moses. And she would have drawn the conclusion almost immediately, you're asking me to do something. And I'm not sure that I have the resources available to do it. So these words that, that in, in, in most contexts are, are the most comforting words you can hear destabilized Mary and brought her discomfort. Isn't that funny? Can that happen? Is it possible that that can happen? Oh, it's absolutely possible. It's not only possible, but it's going to happen in our lives. I love you, you belong to me, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do it for my glory. I want you to magnify me through it. And it's going to be beyond your ability to handle. Just understand, this is God speaking, my hands are much bigger and much more capable than yours. And you are favored. You have absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing to worry about. If I said, ah, Alan, don't worry about it, well, that's one thing. I'm me. If Gabriel says, don't worry, If you worry, then you have no rational basis for it. Gabriel's what we'd call, in athletic terms, a stud. The man. She was greatly troubled. She tried to understand. She tried to, see, she tried to, there's this information that we have and we, and we, and we try to process it, okay? Noah, Moses, I, what, how do I fit in? How do I fit into this story? What, what is God doing here? What is he doing? 
trying to, to discern, trying to discern. There's, there's, a, there's that, 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 that should be true of all of us. Where do I fit into this story? How has God gifted me to exercise my gifts and my talents and my abilities within this body? That's all part of discipleship understanding what's happened before understanding what's happening what happened then understanding what's happening now all of that all of that's part of this and she's she's into this story she's absorbed into the story trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be and the angel said to her don't be afraid mary you found favor with god and here's your part here's your part you're going to provide the womb And I'm going to provide the Savior through the womb. You're going to be the surrogate. You're going to bear a son. And you should call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David. And see, that would have resonated with her. She's marrying a descendant of David. But she did not know at the time that he would walk on water. She did not know at the time that he would heal the blind. She did not know at the time that he would walk up to a tomb where a man had been dead for several days and call that man forth. She knew that she had a privileged place in the story because she was giving birth to a Messiah who would somehow rescue his people from their Roman oppression. That somehow that he would be a political operative who would make Israel great again. But she didn't know at the time that he would deliver her from her sin that would be part of her discipleship process see God begins us in one place and then advances us to the next level and on and on and on and that's why it says in several places in the gospels Mary Listen to this. Mary pondered these things in her heart. Disciples of Christ, oh, you guys, I wish you, I, man, disciples of Christ are thinking, processing people. I am so weary of those excuses. I don't read. Start. 
I'm too dumb. No, you're not. This is a process. This is an educational process. This is a pondering process. This is a Sunday school process. This is a small group process. This is a process that happens within the context of other Christian people. This is a community process. This is not a process by which we seclude ourselves and isolate ourselves from other people who can help us in our process. Mary was a learner. Mary got educated in the things of God. As she thought about them and as she experienced them and processed those experiences. She began to see that Jesus would be king. She began to make the connection between the Messiah and the one who would bring sight to the blind. She began to make those connections between Messiah and the one who would make the lame to walk. She began to see those connections between Messiah and the one who would have to die on the cross for her sins. She started to make those connections. And guess what? Guess what? Listen. Listen. Later on in this same book of the Bible, in just, a, in just another chapter, Simeon says to Mary, Mary, this is a great privilege. Simeon looked at this baby and said, the redemption of Israel. She, he suggested to her, this is a great privilege. There is, uh, there, this, this is, blessed are you among women, Mary. This is a great privilege. But this little baby boy is going to cause you more pain than you can possibly imagine. She had no idea. And it's not just the cross. Imagine how she felt when those religious leaders pointed their fingers at him and and called him a liar and called him a son of Satan. Moms, you know what that does when you have children that are that are that are that are abused in that way for no reason and with no basis. Let me tell you, discipleship is taking up your cross. And this woman didn't even know how much it would cost. I said, woman, she's 13 years old. Mary said, to the most outrageous proposal ever, 
right? To the most outrageous proposal ever, she said, how can this be? It's not wrong to question God. Respectfully and humbly, how can this be? And the angel said, these are things that are eschatological in nature. In other words, these things are part of my plan. This is an epic time. When Gabriel only comes every 500 years, you know, 600 years, you know that it's an epic time. This is an epic time. And the presence of the Holy Spirit here is part of the end times. It's, it's in, in the way that he shows up here, the Holy Spirit is part of the end times. It's an epic time. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that's a, that's a reference to that Shekinah glory of God, that, that glory of God in a cloud. God's power will overshadow you. You'll be the recipient of this, of this marvelous act and mysterious act of God. And therefore the child to be born because of the way that he's born will be called the Son of God, will be called holy, the Son of God. And it had to happen this way. Why? Now, I heard something this week that was really good, okay? Some of you in the room, and you know who you are, and we're not going to point you out because we're not going to embarrass you, but some of you in the room are so scientifically inclined that you want to get to the biological realities here. I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just saying that's how some people's brains work. Forget about it. Let the biological realities go. This is shrouded in a mystery that we will never be able to explain. But we do know this. God had to get himself in this world. The second person of the Trinity showed up in a womb, traveled down the birth canal, and came into the world a sinless holy perfect little baby boy who was and is 100% human he learned math like I didn't he learned Andy and I were talking about the fact that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Jesus was 100% human without in any sense, without in any sense ceasing to be God. And he had to be both in order to die. And that's why he came. to have a body like ours so that he could become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Inexplicable biologically and scientifically. Spiritually, <laughs> one of the most wonderful truths that, that we can possibly interact with and understand and 
celebrate. Mary, you know how this, you, you, you kind of know how this works because there, is, there isn't a, an exact precedent for it, but, but wherever, where, wherever there's deadness, I can bring life. Sarah's womb was dead. I brought life. Elizabeth's womb was dead. I brought life. I am the author of life, and I can bring life in an empty womb. Because nothing, absolutely nothing, is impossible with God. Now here's how, here's how we kind of fit into that story. I've, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Every day, we walk in the midst, interact with dead people. And what they need is a resurrection. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but the Son of God lives in me and through me. It says in another place that the same, the, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, very similar, if not, if not the same, light at creation that God established shines into our hearts. To bring light where there's only darkness. And to bring life where there's only deadness. As a disciple of Christ, we are agents of life. So that dead people can rise from the dead so that people in the dark can move toward the light. We are disciples of Christ and we're responsible for that. Now I'm around unbelievers. Understand that when I say that to you, when I communicate that to you, I don't mean that, that you need to take the weight of the world on your shoulders. I, I just tell you, here's what we all need to do. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I couldn't help but think, I couldn't help but think this. I couldn't help but think about that movement that's happening right now. Can you, can you guess, can you, can you look into my mind and see what I'm thinking about? <laughs> it's called the Me Too movement. Are you guys familiar with it? 
it's, 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 it's the, well, you, you can't hardly not be familiar with it because it's associated with all of these, all of these political figures and these, and these, and these figures that are associated with entertainment. All these important people, let's just put it that way, all these important people being forced to, 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 to leave their jobs and things because they're, 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 they, 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 they've, they've oppressed women. Because they've sexually harassed women over the years, and now and now and now they're they're, they're those evil acts. They're in their, and they're evil. Those evil acts are coming to light. And and so a few people, a few people, um, um, came out and, and and publicly stated that this happened. Um, I read a Time magazine article, and Ashley Judge, you know her, she's she's an actress. She was one of the first to accuse Harvey Harvey Weinstein. Wein, Weinstein, is that it? Harvey Weinstein. She's one of the first. And then, and then you remember um, um, the show, um, Who's the Boss? Alyssa Milano. She got involved. And, and she, and imagine this, she tweeted out something. She sent out a tweet. And then she woke up the next morning and like 32,000 people had responded. And that's how the Me Too movement started. And and now you see the effects permeating all of our society, right? Well, let's use that as a, maybe an analogy. Although we have to turn it upside down. God the Father came to this adolescent girl. And of course he didn't sexually harass her. Of course. But he did ask her to accomplish something that was, that was going to cost her something. He, he, he demanded of her to take up her cross and follow him. And some of the most amazing words in the Bible are, I'm your servant, Lord. Do it. Well, why don't we say to that, why not me or me too? I'm the servant of the Lord. Mary, me too. I'm the servant of the Lord. I, I, I promise you it won't have the same kind of effect that the Me Too movement has. In other words, no one's face is going to be appear on Time Magazine as a person of the year. That's what happened with this movement. So you had several faces of these women. But I guarantee you that those acts of submission to the Word of God are recorded in a very, very important place in God's books that someday He will open and bring to light the things that have been hidden in darkness. Heavenly Father, we thank You for, for Mary and for discipleship. And Father, just help us to be um, those who are willing to say, yes, Lord, me too. I want to be your servant. 
I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.